You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Thanks for checking out episode 41 of the Van Flip Podcast. And first off, let me start by saying Happy New Year to you and yours. And I think it's been a crazy 2021 thus far, so far. We're only like a handful of days into it. But I think we've gotten the best news earlier this week that we could have probably asked for. Big Dr. F of the CDC or whatever is saying that we may have live shows back in the fall. So that's something to look forward to, guys. You know, uh, fingers crossed all that will go through and we can get back to some kind of normalcy of, you know, seeing shows and whatnot. I was talking to JP earlier last week and I kind of reflected back and was thinking, damn, it's been 10 months or so since we, you know, went to a show. And for me and him, we go to shows on the weekly. So, uh, you'll find out in this podcast how we, we talk about the frequency of going to shows and stuff like that. But it's just interesting that uh, we've kind of not gone to shows in the last 10 months. And I kind of asked him, I was like, hey, is this kind of what like, normal people do that don't care about going to shows? Anyway, you know the drill. If you're listening to us on a platform that you can rate and review us, please do so. Give us the highest rating you can. It definitely helps us out in the podcast algorithm world or whatever. Check out lambgoat.com for all your breaking news stories around the hardcore metal world. Subscribe to Lambgoat's YouTube page and you can watch this episode and others in video format. And check out our other Lambgoat content we have on there. Make sure you like Lambgoat on Facebook. And you can also follow the Big LG on Twitter and Instagram at Lambgoat. Also, you can follow me at Lurk City on Instagram and Twitter. Go ahead and tweet me the last show you went to and let's reminisce about going to shows until the fall. And just because I feel like most of you guys are lazy, all these links are going to be listed in our show description. So go check those out. We'll even have our guests links there. Who, by the way, is Matt Fox, one of the founding members of Shy Halud, and also guitar player in Zombie Apocalypse. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is uh Oh no, Lambgoat presents the Van Flip Podcast. Checking it out on the Van Flip Podcast. Thanks for listening in on this episode. And we are lucky enough to be joined with Matt Fox. He is one of the founding members of the band Shy Halud from South Florida, uh, formed in the mid-90s, but also uh, Matt more recently has been playing in uh, another band, uh, Zombie Apocalypse, which was also formed in the 90s as well. Uh, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. How's it going, Matt? Oh, going very well. Uh, Like I said earlier, COVID-free, so I'm happy. Is that uh, because you don't leave the home or? (laughs) Yeah, well, I definitely don't like leaving home too often. Um but yeah, uh, you know, I don't leave uh, my apartment too often. And when I do, I'm always properly masked. So, you know, knock on wood, I'm, I'm safe for now. Yeah, same. Now you, uh, obviously, Shia Lude hasn't been uh, particularly active in recent years. What's your, like, uh, what's my excuse? What's your date? No, well, not that. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tongue lash you for that in a bit, but. 
what's like your day gig? Uh, or do you just sit around and uh, <laughs> write, write lyrics all day? I wish I, for a long time, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, right now I'm in school. Um, so I, I saved up some money and I'm going to school for medical administration. And that, yeah, that takes up a lot of my time. Um, I wish I would much rather sit around writing, writing lyrics all day. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's my day gig is, is school. Uh, hope to be employed within that field by hopefully the spring. So the, the position, so it's a medical administrator type position. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I don't even know what, I don't know what that is exactly. Or... <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is exactly. Uh, it could go in a lot of ways. You can do, uh, Management of a, a a room um or medical coding, medical billing. There's a, a few different options okay. there. But yeah, you know, when when I stopped trying to do Shilud full time, you know, I decided I had to do something and I didn't want to just get a job that any uneducated slob could get. Um not that there's anything wrong with that, but I wanted to do something different. So I, I went upon recommendation of a friend, started going into uh, the medical field. I'm not, you know, people will always be Death in taxes and medical care. Yeah, of course. Uh, if I was only smart enough to be a doctor, I would do that. But um, it's not nearly, not nearly yeah. smart enough to be a doctor. I hear that. Well, so when did Shai Halud cease being a full-time band uh geez the timeline is wonky in my head Let's last see. i saw you guys toured in 2016 may of 2016 or something like that yeah that might be that sounds about accurate we were in japan our last show was in japan um you know not a not a last show but uh the last right. show that we played was in japan uh we've gotten together in the past, before COVID hit, we, we got together and practiced, but, um, yeah, so it's been about four years since we, since we last played together as, uh, you know, professionally, if you want to call it professionally. When you say, so that, um, when you say you guys get together, does that include, uh, zombie apocalypse? Cause it's basically like the same band with a different singer, correct? No, it's actually uh, quite a few different members. Um, we do share uh, the singer of Zombie. Zombie Apocalypse has two singers. And one of the singers is has been in Shilud before as a singer way back in like 2005 or 2006, maybe even later than that. Uh, but he's now playing bass in, in Shilud. Um, so aside from that, that's the only members that we currently share. However, zombie apocalypse's drummer used to be Shia Lude's full-time drummer. Um, so like I've said are on there, other podcasts, are there any musicians in existence that have not been a member of Shia Lude at one time? <laughs> no, or another? no, no, there's not one. All right. Just checking. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. You I couldn't. was, lo- I was looking over your Wikipedia not yours, but uh, the band, and yeah. I mean, I've obviously covered you guys for a long time, so uh, I guess I was, you know, more or less aware that there were a lot of peripheral players. I mean, obviously, you're the you're the heart, or have been, um, you know, for some time, 
and Matt Fletcher. But uh, yeah, even I was a bit surprised by the sheer volume of uh, individuals that have come through the and gone out the door. Well, the you can't really take the Wikipedia's fact. There, there sure. are people. There are people on there, a slew of people on there, when I've looked, which has been a while now, when I last looked, that have never been in the band. Uh, People you don't even know, right? People I don't know. I'm not joking. Uh, And and some friends that joked around or had somebody else joke around and add them to the Wikipedia list. But yeah, it's it's not that extensive. All right. Well, I'm going to add might... myself as a former, uh, I'll say, tambourine player or something, just to <laughs> beef up my resume. Please All do. Right. More, the more the merrier. That's what I say. But like I've said on other podcasts, there's there's a community within Shailud, and you know, um, Matt Fletcher has branched out to his current band, Life Force, uh, and our bass player, who's filling in or taking over for Matt Fletcher. Like I said, he sings for Zombie, and he used to sing for Hulud. So it's a community of people that we've always worked with. Um, and and again, the drummer of Zombie Apocalypse what is the guy who recorded on our last record, um, Reach Beyond the Sun. So it's, it's a nice little community of people that are all friends. So you've been... Uh, Shia Lude was like your full-time deal for, geez, what, 20 years? Yeah, roughly, roughly. Okay. You know, uh, tried to keep it going, tried to do it full time as much as uh, opportunities would allow. So, yeah, we we, uh, we were active for a while there. <laughs> yeah. Now, some of your, I don't know, you know, people listening, you know, some people probably know a lot about the band. And uh, there's other people that have a cursory, uh, you know knowledge of Shiloh, but for those that don't know, you guys have had some notable people in the band. I guess most notably would be Chad Gilbert, who sure, you know, went on to newfound glory fame. Uh I guess he sang on your first full length and your first EP. And, yeah, and then, then the follow up split with indecision after the album came out. Okay. Um I guess if you had started uh going in the pop punk direction maybe (laughs) maybe you'd uh be sitting on some gold records like chad maybe pop punk has never necessarily been my thing um it always chad always loved it though um you know keep in mind i met chad he he joined shy halud when he was 15 Uh, i think i met him when he was about 14 um yeah if you could believe that and you know, for as long as I've met him, he's always loved pop punk and hardcore uh, and metal for that matter, too. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? He sang on, I guess, probably. Do you consider, um, you know, that LP to be sort of your the most renowned Shiloh record? I mean, from my perspective, uh, that would seem to be the seminal uh you know, offering not to demean any of the other records, but that's the one, um, you know, to me that, that was the most influential and probably, sure. the, you know, most people have a soft spot in their heart for most Halud fans. Sure. Uh, I mean, all, you know, 
also not to belittle any of the other records, they all have their followings. But, you know, Hearts was when it was considered the classic lineup. It's the classic album. You know, it's the only album that's in Decibel's Hall of Fame. You know, and it's got to be that for a reason. So, yeah, it's probably our most renowned album. But I am, again, happy to say that all the records did find a bit of a following. So Right. Now, as a, uh, one of the progenitors of, of Metalcore, I've got to ask you, uh, who invented Metalcore? <laughs> and I know that's, that's not a question with a, a one-word answer, but I, I assume you're not going to say a Treyu, so uh, <laughs> enlighten me. You should have let him well, try. He might have. Uh, <laughs> the first true. time, well, the first time I heard the term metalcore, if if I remember correctly, was you know a Warzone ad. Um, I think it was when they signed to a major or something bigger than Rev, whatever uh, record label they were on, Relativity maybe. Um, there was an ad for Warzone. It, possibly open your eyes i'm not sure which record it was but it said you know uh war zone uh, new york metalcore uh so that's the first time i'd ever heard the term and i i'm pretty sure that was in the 80s but that term had been thrown around for a long time like i've said before in other interviews uh, my friends and I used to throw it around specifically when talking about like Earth Crisis, because when we first got when we first got Destroy the Machines, I remember my friend and I, Chad, who's in uh, Strong Arm and Further Seems Forever, uh, Big Chad as opposed to Little Chad who sang for us. Um, so Chad and I were listening to Destroy the Machines in my grandmother's apartment where I lived at the time. And I'm sure she appreciated that. Yeah, she definitely did. Uh, All the loud heavy metal. But we we were listening to it and we looked at each other and we said, my God, this is just not it's not hardcore. It's like metal core. And uh, then, (laughs) you know, truth be told, I looked at him and I said, yeah, but I like it. And he goes, I like it, too. (laughs) (laughs) And the rest was history. Yeah, and, and then we started, you know, joking around, calling. Uh, well, it was tongue in cheek, calling bands like Earth Crisis and Coalesce and Dead Guy, were all of that strain of heavier uh, hardcore, uh, you know, with arguably metal sounds, but um, undeniably uh, a hardcore ethic. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I hear you. And that's how I felt about, you know, not only Earth Crisis, but, uh, you know, Marauder, Master Killer. Sure. Um, and you could, I guess, there's so many flavors of metalcore. And I, you know, I'm doing a disservice to everything by even using the term. Uh, just kind of a joke at this point. Um, yeah, well, it was, and- it was always a joke to us. I mean, we, you know, we put it on a T-shirt once. We called ourselves... We said it was Terran Metalcore, and when we started recording the, our second album, that within Blood Old Tempered, we we got very musically creative around that time, and uh, I think we joked around on a T-shirt and called it a profoundly misanthropic metal orchestra. You know, so you know, there's always been a tongue-in-cheek attitude within Shyalud, and we de- never took the term seriously. That's for sure. Yeah, well, that, that's a healthy outlook. 
We certainly didn't invent it. Yeah, I, I you know, knowing how humble you are in the first place, I certainly didn't uh, um, expect you to take credit. Nor, nor would it be wise for anyone to do so. But certainly, sure. not any, not any band that wasn't, uh, I guess, formed in the late '80s or early '90s. Yeah, I, and I'm, certainly not a Treyu. Yeah, sure. I, I'm giving it to Warzone. That's fair. That's fair. You know, you hear all kinds of, uh, yeah, well, I, you know, I, maybe I've read that, but I had never, uh, I had never heard that little anecdote about the advertisement. And... Yeah. I, I think I posted it on, uh, Facebook or Instagram or both, um, like a, a couple years back. I'll see if I can find it and send it to you. Yeah. That's something. Well, We'll have to track down whoever wrote the uh, the verbiage for that and give them some kind of I don't know founders award or something. Yeah, it, that that's the earliest that I can recollect ever hearing metalcore or reading metalcore for that matter. Now, uh, you know, you were part of that. that I feel like, and again, this is perhaps old man, old jaded man speaking, uh, but you know, metalcore. And Dave, you could probably speak more to this, but Metalcore circa 2008 is not Metalcore 2000 or 1998, 1997. I feel like at some point it became, um, you know, we got the heavy verses with the clean choruses and a breakdown two thirds of the way through just this formulaic uh, notion of what Metalcore is. And um, unfortunately, and uh Maybe fortunately, I don't know. Uh, you know, <laughs> the youth, the metalcore youth, are um, not not fully cognizant of the roots, and I guess that's common of any generation. You know, very few uh, youngings take the time to uh, to to learn the roots. And I know if I post anything, you know, so and so metalcore change metalcore. Uh, this band wouldn't exist without that band. I get a lot of people tweeting boomer at me. Um, sure. And <laughs> I'm like, uh, I don't know. I have a certain distance. Let me put it this way, as succinctly as I can, since I've already been verbose. Uh, too many people think asking Alexandria is the be all end all of metalcore. Oh, when, are we going uh, that, that pains me. <laughs> are we uh, going I, there? I, I, uh, I I guess, I guess so. I, I can't comment. I've never heard of the band. I was uh, going to ask you actually, Matt, because you got you guys were such a early, uh, you know, an early band in those metalcore days. If you even kept up with the with the genre as it progressed, uh, no, um, no, I didn't. Um, when the singy choruses started uh, becoming popular, or maybe even before it was popular. You know, it just wasn't my thing, and neither are breakdowns for that matter. So, um, you know, I say for that matter a lot, I just realized. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, breakdowns for the sake of them and singing choruses. Uh, if anything starts to trend, you can almost usually safely say that I'm not into it. Um, so, yeah, I never kept up with metalcore. The last metalcore that i know of you know would have been uh, whatever the last earth crisis did uh interesting and and i don't even refer i don't even refer to earth crisis anymore as metalcore metalcore has definitely evolved into its own thing 
and very distinctly, you know, Shai Hulud, uh Earth Crisis are not metalcore. Mm-hmm. In both bands, both bands are just heavier hardcore uh, with a progressive nature, and again, a distinct hardcore ethic. Right. So I'm a little bit behind Alex as far as uh, wave of like bands and stuff like that. So to me, like uh, the the metalcore, like metalcore that I refer to would be, I guess, like more early 2000s, uh, like metalcore bands, like, you know, I guess like Norma Jean would be one of them in that time frame. But like bands sure. like Earth Crisis to me would always be more hardcore. Like I would have referred to them more as a hardcore band, I guess, yeah. when I was and younger. Again, so would I. Um, but, you know, just going back to what I said earlier, originally it was just so, especially Destroy the Machines. I mean, I'd love all Earth Crisis records, even Slither. But um, uh, <laughs> but when, when talking about Destroy the Machines, it was so much heavier than anything that we had heard in the hardcore scene, right. at, at least out in Florida, that, you know, that jokingly that term came out. But no, there's no way in hell I would ever refer to Earth Crisis now <laughs> or even in the 2000s as metalcore. I mean, right. that's... I guess that was uh, me looking at it, you know, like after after the fact, like after that, it wasn't uh, as groundbreaking maybe to everybody's ears as it was, you know, years later. Right. Yeah, yeah it's a generational thing and... and... I didn't mean to get us down that road. I, uh, 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 oh, it's I, a fun road. It's a fun road. I don't consider like the Asking Alexandria stuff, though, like technically metalcore. There's like a definite like hot topic uh, mallcore type kind of vein in metalcore. Uh, so, like, I mean, I think metalcore is on. I mean, never mind. We don't necessarily need to go down that route because. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I, and I, I don't want to bring them up in a pejorative manner. I just feel as though there's a certain segment of bands that have, you know, have uh, were. Yeah, yeah, and and were sort of heralded as uh, genre uh, forefathers um, when they weren't, or. or they weren't forefathers of anything that I would consider respectable. And I don't, I don't mean to shit on that band because I don't really know their stuff. I've heard enough, uh, you know, of their earlier stuff, which and they've changed a lot too, um, asking Alexandria. So I don't want to harp on them. But uh, genres aside, um, I know you've, you've told Dave that you didn't really follow, you know, metalcore. What about some of your peers from, um, you know, 2000, 1999, and I, when I say peers, not necessarily stylistic peers, but that whole scene, the, you know, the trust kill, the ferret, um, you know, corner of the world, whether it's Converge or Poison the Well, um, you know, those bands, did you, um, I guess by virtue of touring with a lot of those bands, you're sort of forced to keep up, but were any of those bands, uh, you know, a band that you just have always kept up with much the same way you have Earth Crisis? Jeez. Um, or did you completely just check out? <laughs> well, I don't know that I, I, I don't know that I checked out, but uh, there's, as you age, which, you know, you're younger than I am, I, I'm assuming. Uh, barely. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as you age, so you'll know, there, the filter becomes finer and finer. 
you know, and, and fewer things start getting in. And I would say around the 2000s is when my filter almost became locked. And when and, and it's definitely locked now. You know, when I when I listen to music, you know, today I'm listening to old pestilence. Uh, you know, I still listen to Metallica. I'm wearing a Pixie shirt. I love the Pixies. Uh, Bad Brains, Uniform Choice. Uh, I kind of stuck with all of those bands. And really, you know, once once the filter closed, it never really opened again. And that probably happened around the 2000s. You know, I'm friends with uh, the bands of those eras. But uh, I, I don't necessarily listen to bands that we were peers with. Um yes, you know, for me, when if I want to hear a hardcore band, I, you know, to me, I, I always go back to the Bad Brains. That's, you know, first and foremost. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. You're not putting on getting nails or something. Uh, that's yeah, I think a lot of that is an age thing. Personally, um, you know, let's face it, when we're teenagers, kids, even um, young or early 20s. You're just kind of absorbing everything and finding your way and your musical likes. But then at some point you just, and I can speak for everybody, but a lot of people, they, as you describe it, your filters, you know, sort of close and you, you're just not, uh, I don't know if it's even the motivation or the energy or there's just too much going on in life. I think it's a, you know, a combination of all those things. Yeah. I mean, a combination of all those for sure. It's having a family and it's just like, okay, I have the next hour to, um, you know, find new music to, to give these bands a shot, or I can sit on the couch, read this book, and just put on some old Billy Joel or something, and hey, you know, I, choo- never, I choose the latter because it's the path of least resistance. You can never, never go wrong with Billy Joel. Um, I yeah, agree. When, when you're younger, you're hungry for new music, and that hunger eventually ends. Every Every once in a while, the filter unlocks and something sneaks in, like... I think the last band that snuck in for me, and this is, you know, showing my age cause it's an older band at this point, but that band would be tragedy. You know, uh, yeah. when, when they came out, I said, Oh, okay, well this, this I like, <laughs> you yeah. know, I can, I can pry open the filter a little bit to let these guys in, but um, you know, not much gets in. And, and if I'm going to listen to new music, it's going to be, older music that i'm not familiar with like today i said i was listening to pestilence pestilence is a dutch thrash death metal band that i i was never fully familiar with i always liked and i would rather explore their old catalog or for for that for, I mean, for that matter again for that matter uh <laughs> i would right, it's, uh, a, it's a handy phrase it's a handy phrase uh, yeah, I would rather explore the Led Zeppelin that I'm not familiar with. You know what I mean? I've so, done that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Now, a long time ago, but I, yeah, probably in my twenties. I I was always a Pink Floyd guy, but uh, you know, aside from the heavy stuff I listened to, but I, I I think I was talking about this maybe when we had Ben Kohler on recently. I read that Hammer of the Gods book, uh, oh, you yeah. know, about Zeppelin, and that just triggered this whole thing where you know everybody knows the big hits the whole lot of loves and the cashmeres but um i just did a deep dive on their whole catalog and there's like many vast catalogs there's plenty of uh gems to be found uh but i totally agree with you uh, that i'm you know the same way i feel like 
I, you know, as I get older, I need to impart some wisdom. Um, and I, to do so, I have to go back and, uh, cover some of the band, not cover, you know, from a journalistic standpoint, but, uh, um, listen to some of the bands that I didn't give their proper due. And I'm not talking about necessarily underground hardcore bands, but, you know, vi- revisit the David Bowie catalog or just, you know, some of these these icons that, you know, I shame to say I am woefully ignorant of. Uh, well, I, I, first of all, just as a general, uh, on a general spectrum, I am woefully ignorant. Uh, but when it, <laughs> when it comes to music, you know, my my Zeppelin knowledge is really Led Zeppelin two and four and the first. Um, but I don't know. Got to spend more time with three, man. Yeah. Well, you and know, physical I physical graffiti. Yeah. I know the immigrant song and I've listened to immigrant uh, uh, physical graffiti, which I love, but I'm not familiar with it. So, yeah, uh, just repeating what we've already said. I, I definitely would go back into the older things that I, I need to know rather than new bands that are probably not doing anything that I, I care about. <laughs> I try to, uh, I try to mix it up. I try to explore old stuff like Alex was doing uh, with old discographies and such uh, mainly probably like older scene or hardcore bands that uh, I also didn't give. Uh, the time of day too, but I also try to keep a somewhat uh, finger on the pulse of like what news coming out because you never you never do know. Uh, so no. most... and, and that th- you're doing it the right way. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I'm it's, not. It's definitely hard because I mean most of the stuff that we post about, I try to throw on a playlist and I try to I try to listen to that playlist uh, every month and whatnot just to kind of get a you know an idea of what other, sh- other things are out there. Cause obviously there are other little genres I've never explored in general, but, um, that is quite noble for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, you do make a good point. I, uh, I guess I do the same, although not, not for the altruistic reasons that, that he does. <laughs> I am forced to by a Lambda and I still have to cover bands and, I so I'm exposed to lots of new music, uh, whether I like it or not. Some good stuff, some bad stuff. But I suppose from that standpoint, I, I'm not. I, I'm up to speed, not uh, compl- as uh, as much of a luddite as I sound. Uh, but there's very little that moves me in this day and age. And again, that that is my age speaking. But it is nice to to discover. Um, you know, good song here and there. Um, but it takes a lot for me to be motivated to go out and get an album. And we've talked about this or to listen to an album. And, you know, this theme just keeps coming back for me. Um, you know, the internet, uh, it was just a, a kids can't appreciate. Uh, I've said this so many times, uh, I just can't help myself. Um, can't appreciate spending money on a CD or an album, even a cassette. If you go back far enough, and that's all you had money for. So you're going to spend the next week with that album. And um, more often than not, you're probably going to love it or fall in love with it or at least, you know, appreciate it. Uh, and that's just and it's no fault of, you know, the younger generations. Um, it's just they have so much out there uh, vying for their attention that they aren't going to. It's very um, it's seldom that I think your average uh 
kid, teenager, whatever is going to sit there and, and listen to an entire album. They're just listening to singles or hopping around YouTube or Spotify, whatever it is. And uh, frankly, I, you know, I'm thankful. I mean, don't get me wrong. I wish I was 20 years old or whatever, but I'm thankful that I grew up in that era where I'm cruising the liner notes to, you know, find another band to check out. And yeah. uh, those trips to the record store where you got 20 bucks and you're coming home with something, maybe two things, and you're going to give it its due. I just uh, it pains me uh, that 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 sort of thing it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, those were those were good times for me. It was I would go to the record store with ten dollars because I got when I <laughs> I don't know if my mom was cheap or what, <laughs> but my mom used to give when I was around 13, she would give me five dollars a week. So I remember telling my friends, wow, if I save up for two weeks, I can go every two weeks and buy a new album. Um, yeah. You know, and I remember going out and, and getting Voivod's Dimension Hatros on cassette. Uh, nice. even, yeah. Even a little after that, um, Sick of It All's Blood, Sweat and No Tears. Classic. When I, yeah. When I saw that on cassette, you know, that's around the time that I was try I, I knew hardcore existed but i couldn't find the door anywhere you know uh sick of it all sick of it all really was uh, a main door for me in, into a hardcore but yeah those those were yep. fun times i also missed the the times where seven inches were like three four you know maybe five bucks if it was like a premier seven inch with you know uh premium packaging uh, that was also a good time for music because, you know, you would you could go to the record store, uh, you know, an independent record store for with with 20 bucks and pick up a few seven inches. Uh, that's yeah. how that's how I got Earth Crisis. You know, I'd never heard them before. I picked up Firestorm and looked pissed. And there's a guy with an X on the back, I think, you know, so I said, OK, this is great. But totally. yeah, we're, we're always going to. Uh, feel nostalgic about the way we got into music. Uh, but I imagine 20 years from now when Spotify is no longer around, you know, someone's going to say, Oh, the days of Spotify were great. I could just sit on, you know, I mean, yeah. reminisce about, uh, what was it? The thing that Lars Ulrich hated. Napster. <laughs> Napster. You know, uh, but I mean, I think, I think it's just the evolution of ingesting music in general, because, you know, we were also bottlenecked by all that, you know, so we didn't get to ex explore and absorb as much music as we would have wanted. Although who's to say it's the wrong way or the right way, you know what I mean? Uh, because I also, I also enjoyed all that stuff and having, having the time to sit next to the CD player with headphones on even in, you know, that was my like record player uh, moment. You know, I would sit in my room with the uh, boom box on with the headphones in, just reading, you know, the liner notes and looking at the CD art and stuff like that. There is something to be had with that, but also, yeah. you know, that's what, I, that's what I did with cassettes to, to a lesser degree vinyl, because I was the annoying kid that had to bring my music into your car. So, <laughs> Uh, I bought everything on cassette. My smarter friends who weren't obnoxious still to this day have all of their uh, metal vinyl that is long gone for me because it was all on tape, you know, and it got worn out or ruined. Yeah. But, uh, but it was worth you. it. It was worth it because I couldn't bear what my friends were listening to. So I had to, you know, I had to bring my Slayer cassettes into their car. 
No, cassettes were uh, uh, you needed a cassette, yeah, for the car, of course, yeah. or, or your boombox or whatever. You couldn't go mobile with the uh, the turntable. Um, no. You know, I had the same problem. But I will say, when CDs came out, uh, just the the audio quality, I I jumped right on the the CD bandwagon. Um, took me took me a few I years. Had a bunch of cassettes, but yeah. never I never really got in. Turntables were always such a pain in the ass to me, and you know, scratching them and whatever. I maybe when I was like seven, I remember listening to like Crimson and Clover seven inches and random shit. But I, I went right to cassettes and never really collected vinyl. Which you know, from a monetary standpoint, I, I sort of regret because you can uh, sure. you can make some good good money. Yeah, well, if I had uh, all of the tapes that I had on vinyl, I'd I'd, I'd be sitting on some really good stuff. Well, even uh, if you had the tapes. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say I've been, you know, selling some of my stuff in my vast collection, and some of those, you know, I sold a uh, Morbid Angel Covenant cassette for I don't know, like thirty bucks, and you know, some of the random ones uh, I, I'm. I had this black, my first cassette that I remember getting, the first heart, uh, heavy punk, hardcore, whatever you want to call it, uh, was damaged by Black Flag. And um, I could probably sell that for 40 some dollars, it seems like. But that one, that one is too much sentimental value. But all I'm saying is, you know, cassettes have some tangible value these days as well. Yeah, they're, 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 on the, they're on the come up right now, for sure. It's like throwbacks. Uh, that's what I was, was going to say. Like, this generation is kind of tapping into the older stuff, though, too. I think more so than, like, maybe the one prior to it. Uh, uh, but this, the, the younger guys with the Spotify and everything like that can easily trace back, uh, you know, bands that they may like now. They can easily trace back the lineage of, like, where that sound may have come from. So that that's also why I think tapes are coming back, because, you know, they're the ones, like, newer bands are, you know, trying to push that rhetoric and rhetoric and stuff like that, too, so... I think it's always it's always nice to have something physical. Um, of course, I, you know, having I, that collection was just a great thing. And when you had your iPad, uh, iPod, you know, the first sort of digital collection of music, it just wasn't the same. You know, look at my eight thousand CDs. Or oh, look at my iPod. I have seven hundred ninety-seven songs and fifteen playlists. And yeah, it just doesn't. It's not the same. Yeah, uh, so few records come out that I. <clears throat> that I want to own physically. And sometimes records come out that I do want to own physically. And I, even I have succumbed to it. You know, I, I just go, I go to Spotify. Um, I do. I'm very excited for the, the forthcoming Exodus record, which is supposed to be mm-hmm. out. There. I do. I, I plan on buying that on vinyl, but uh, who knows, you know, I may end up going to Spotify and just being satisfied with that. So I've definitely succumbed to uh, streaming much more than I ever thought I would. Oh, it's just so convenient. Yeah, and I, but I still, I'm looking right now, you know, I, I've saved out of the thousands of CDs that I, that I have owned in the past, you know, I'm still looking at a collection of a few hundred that I, I just can't get rid of. Nice. Yep. You know, whether it's, you know, uh, the old Revelation CDs or my uh, Celtic Frost uh, CDs, you know, these things I'm just never going to get rid of. Um, because, again, uh, I, I didn't buy them. When, when, when I got into CDs, uh, I loved the format because I could bring it to everybody's car. 
Yep. So, yeah, I still think CDs are, you know, my format of choice. That's it's the perfect. Uh, it's the happy medium between, um, you know, quality uh, audio wise and uh, compact uh, physical, uh, you know, entity. Yeah. Well, oh, well. I'm, down, I'm still down with CDs. I'm never going to sell the ones I'm never going to sell. But uh, in another room, I, I've got a, about 500 at, at bare minimum that I can't wait to get rid of. Oh. <laughs> give, Dave, give Dave your address. He'll yeah. be right there, and he will uh, make you an offer. Yeah, oh, I, yeah? I started collecting CDs a couple of years ago, or a year ago, or a year and a half ago. And um, I'm up to like 150, but... Oh, well, if, if, I mean, if you're interested, all joking aside, I have, you know, a lot. They're all good as far as, you know, it's not uh, nothing bands. It's, you know, bands uh, that you would know. So, yeah, maybe maybe you can give these CDs a new home. Maybe. We'll, uh, we'll definitely. You, we'll can definitely sign, you can sign every single CD and that will uh, dramatically <laughs> increase the value. Right. Yeah. Yeah. By millions. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, I didn't mean to send us down that. Well, don't get lost, but don't get lost in the streaming quality of the audio, because if you uh, if, if you listen to streaming long enough and then you go back to CD, you'll definitely notice it. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I have a keen enough ear uh, for that. Because well, you've played, you played too many concerts, man. Your, your hearing's uh, damaged beyond all repair. Besides the concert, I'm like a million years old. Who can hear anything? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, I, my, my kids like play, uh, they have these things on their phone where, you know, they play like these really high frequencies. And they're all astounded that I can't hear the ones that they hear. And I'm just like, you know, I still remember from school, you know, the, the ideal hearing for a human being, 20 hertz to 20K hertz or something like that. But I specifically remember, uh, this is probably at full sale. It's just uh, why I went there, you know, to become an audio engineer, of course. But uh, I remember um, specifically the instructor saying that the perfect hearing could only be achieved by uh, 12 or 13-year-old girls in Scandinavian nations for whatever reason. Everyone else, just the noise pollution and just the, you know, the environmental... um, you know, impact of their surroundings would, would never allow them to hear at the frequencies that the human ear was actually capable of. But, but in any case, my kids play stuff that's far below 20, 20 kilohertz and I, I can't hear it now. You know, part of that is age and part of it is listening to hardcore metal at extremely loud volumes and banging on my drum set and plugging in my guitar. And yeah, so I'm, I'm screwed anyway, you slice it. When I'm like 80, I'm going to be, I don't know, I'll have a cochlear implant or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I I went to uh, an audiologist not that long ago, and my hearing, she told me, was a lot better than she had compared to other people that had played music. Mm -hmm. I I, I was pretty pretty fastidious with wearing uh, earplugs for – I mean, I started wearing earplugs when – definitely when Shia Lude started – because I had, you know, I had punk rock and hardcore bands before Shia Lude started. So by the time I was 23, I was wearing earplugs. And I can't think of a, a, a Shia Lude show where I went without. So that, I, I've, do, I've definitely done... definitely good. 
Yeah, I, I I've done my best to preserve my my hearing, but uh, yeah, yeah, and but, I think that's probably commonplace among you know uh, artists, musicians who play frequently. And I, you know, it's never one of those. I feel like you know most of my hearing damage probably not that I can't hear or anything, but what damage I have was probably sustained at you know concerts in my early twenties. You know where I just wasn't diligent about bringing earplugs to shows and. And for whatever reason, caught up in the moment. But y'all, I mean, anyone who hasn't worn plugs has been there where they go to that show and then for the next three hours, their ears are ringing and it's just, oh. you know, you deal with it. Uh, but do that, you know, several dozen times. And obviously there, there are some long term effects. No, no. I mean, I definitely have um, tinnitus to a degree. Um, if, if it's too quiet, I can hear it. But, you know, if they're luckily enough, if there's music playing at just a normal volume or even if the air conditioner is on, yeah. uh, you know, I don't I don't hear it. But it's there because when I went to metal concerts as a teenager, I certainly the last thing on my mind was earplugs. I, I, I didn't wise up until I started playing music on a regular basis. And, and funny little note, which is probably not funny and probably won't interest anyone, but, uh, I, um, <laughs> there's a setup. Yeah. Th- this is a uh, nonsense, but, uh, I, I hate listening to loud music. Uh, you know, when I listened to pestilence earlier today, it's, it's at a nice, <laughs> really, or yeah, it's at a normal volume. Um, probably lower than most people would, would care for. But, uh, yeah, I've never, I, I don't like, I don't like the oppression of loud music. I see. I feel like, you know, I love, I would listen to metal and hardcore louder if it wasn't uh, disruptive to those around me or, you know, dangerous to my hearing. But I, you know, it's hard for me to dial back. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was, I went on this burnt by the sun kick and I just, you know, some bands are just, you know, you really want to turn them up. Not you, Matt Fox, but uh, (laughs) you know, your average hardcore whatever fan, it just because they really just they lend themselves to that that visceral uh, impact. And sure. um, I'm sure. always finding myself like forcing myself to turn the volume knob down. Just like, come on, Alex, get it together. You're damaging your hearing. I know you want to turn it up, but let's turn it back maybe so two degrees and see if you can notice. Well, it's you know it's this inner dialogue with myself that that. I think I'm insane, actually, the more I discuss this. But, uh, yeah, it's a problem. I wish I had your uh, discipline or whatever it is, your pension for for listening to what would be considered loud music at reasonable volumes. That's that's yeah. very, uh, very something. Good. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That, that, I, I find Very fine. An aristocrat, what? you are. <laughs> yeah. The aristocrat. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like music at reasonable volumes because um, I I do like to hear the nuances of the guitars, and you know, for me it's not just the rage. I I, I like to know what the bands are playing, so I, I can process it better at lower volumes. Well, and I think that's an interesting point, and particularly because you are in Shai Halud, and I mean that's one of the things that I think, uh, you know, I always liked about your band uh, much, much uh, unlike a lot of the uh, metalcore call them what you were call them what you will bands that are just you know uh, I don't want to say one dimensional uh, but just it's uh, there's not a lot happening under the surface where uh, uh, you know 
uh, I listened to some of your old records today that I haven't listened to in so long, like Hearts and Ill Tempered, and it just it, it always amazes me how much is happening. These subtle guitar licks and undercurrents of melody and um, I, I, too much. To it at loud volume, I think, would definitely uh, um, you know take away from the nuance that that exists in a lot of your catalog. Yeah, yeah. Unlike Burnt by the Sun, or again, I love Burnt by the Sun, so I don't want to shit on them, but unlike no. a lot of other bands. But Burnt by the Sun is, you know, from what I remember, more focused on just, you know, rage. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean, when, and like I was saying with Tragedy, Tragedy is another band that is always nice to hear louder uh because it's it's the rage not that i do listen to it louder <laughs> but I, I i would get why somebody listens to bands like that that focus on that punch you know and now and a more sh- reasonable volume shy allude was always sort of a you guys weren't the most commercial i'm not talking sound but just your whole uh image and your marketing and everything was you know very verbose but uh understated um uh as opposed to some of the the flashier bands and i think i was just thinking of tragedy uh, i was going to say is it is it the music that uh, obviously the music attracts you but is it also sort of their um their unwillingness to be lauded and uh, paraded around um uh that that appeals to you at all um well or that underground ethos that they seem to have uh yeah, you know, Fugazi too. Always adopted. Um, yeah, it's it's respectable. It's definitely respectable. I mean, I was always ready to be exploited. <laughs> you know, it just never happened. Um, well, maybe but, that's it. Maybe I give you too much credit. Um, uh, I always I always felt like it was a calculated effort to um, to not be um, sort of, and I don't even know what it is. I, I'm having a hard time articulating. But I feel, you know, in my brain, Shai Halud isn't a band that I would have ever, you know, considered to be uh, almost on the cusp of desperation for attention. But perhaps it's, as well, I said, just no one ever, no one ever uh, <laughs> we, we never did got, that for you. But the truth is, we, we always wanted attention, but I don't think that we would have done, th- we wouldn't have done anything out of our wheelhouse to get it. Uh, you know, and, and that that depends on what you're comfortable with. You know, what I'm comfortable with is probably a hell of a lot more than what Fugazi and Tragedy are comfortable with. Sure. You know, I mean, my band has T-shirts f- to start, you know, where whereas Fugazi doesn't from unless something's changed. I don't believe they ever had a legitimate T-shirt. Um, so, yeah, I was always ready to be exploited, but we never really got that opportunity. But again, you know, um, pro- like a, think of a band like Propagandi. You know, Propagandi is a band that uh, d- wouldn't want to be overly exploited either. Um, and yeah, I, I can't say that I'm that noble. Gotcha. Understood. And yeah, I guess Fugazi would always be sort of the uh, the kings. The, yeah. Um, I, I still, you know, I was a big Fugazi fan back in the day. Still am. Yeah. That, that whole $5 ticket thing. And, uh, uh, well, I, I should say I still am, but, um, not to the degree that I'm listening to new music cause they don't have any, which really sucks. But, 
Um, yes. For as long as they were putting out new music, I was, you know, a fan, but particularly, uh, you know, Repeater and uh, the 13-song comp and, um, you know, those first few records. And I did have the, uh, I saw Fugazi once, um, and what? I wish I had seen him more, but that I think that was on the Repeater tour, actually. I mean, I was just, you know, I don't know if I was 16 or what, but uh, that was definitely impressive. And the fact that I think that ticket was like $5. You know, they yeah. were a band that could have, you know, gotten so much more money uh, oh, than, yeah. than obviously they, they chose to accept, which is truly noble. Unlike yeah, it really is. Um, I, I, never, I, I never got a chance to see Fugazi. I think they and they came to South Florida quite a few times, but um, there was always something. I was sick. And, and after a while, even today, uh, I'm, I'm not a big, well, Today, it's not even possible, but I, I'm not a big concert goer. I used to be when I was a teenager, but I got all of it out. You know, I got all of it out of my system. I've seen Metallica. I've seen Slayer. Uh, I've seen Death. I've seen the Dead Milkmen. You know, uh, I'm, I've seen They Might Be Giants. I'm, I'm all set. Uh, I hear you. I, I can't be bothered to leave my house for a lot of things, let alone going to a show. Uh but I think that's, yeah, that's a common thing. I mean, I respect anyone that's, you know, in their 40s and above uh, <laughs> that are still, like, diligently going to shows. And uh, especially heavy shows. Not so much Metallica's, but more of the, you know, the underground or younger. Because uh, I would, even when I was, like, 28 and was, like, you know, at a hardcore show or something i always felt like an elder statesman it's like i, I don't want to be here i just feel it feels too awkward i should be at home reading poetry or something you both yeah. should, you both should be ashamed uh yeah well I, I i stopped going to shows on a regular basis um so so long ago um i mean i think the last show that i went to a band that i already mentioned but uh voivod came to philly uh, a couple of years ago and my friend and I just, we couldn't pass it up. We had to go see Voivod. So. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Certain bands, you know, I, I saw when I was young, Primus was a big band for me. Sure. And yeah. they came to my town a few years ago, this Reading PA, which is like, you know, 80, 90,000 people, but Primus had never been here ever. And I just, you know, uh, I felt like I'd be betraying my younger self if I didn't, you know, venture out of my my uh, Hobbit home here and go see it. Uh, was that your last show you went to? Um, it might have been. Yeah, I think Lamb of God was. I thought. <laughs> I think when we were talking to Willie, I think I said Lamb of God was the last show I went to because um, that came to Reading and Clutch was there and. You know, I was a big fan of both those, or, you know, I'm a fan of those bands. But, uh, yeah, upon further review, uh, it was Primus and Mastodon. And, um, yeah, I haven't seen a show since. When was that, though? That was, like, three or four years ago. I was talking to JP yesterday. Uh, JP is the camera guy for uh, us for in-person pre-COVID interviews. Uh, but, anyway, we were discussing how long it's been since because me and JP are older as well. We're, we're not 40, but we're, we're close to it. And uh, no. <laughs> we're not 40 because uh, Alex referred to anyone at the age of 40. But yeah. um, 
Yeah. We're not there yet, but you know, we're we're single digits until there. But uh we go to shows all the time prior to COVID and we were just kind of lamenting yesterday and reflecting that it was it's it's almost a year since we've been to a show and it's crazy because I guess like I I said to him, I guess this is what normal people do that don't go to shows. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't appreciate that. I, no, I appreciate it, but I don't. It doesn't affect me uh, the way it, it does you. For that reason, that I don't go to shows more as much as I, you know, well at all. <laughs> but if I was, you know, still a, a frequent showgoer, yeah, that I I could definitely see that as being a real um, catastrophe. Frankly, yeah, I I enjoy when I'm out on tour. Uh, I, I I really enjoy watching even the opening bands. Uh, if I'm if I'm out and I'm especially in that mindset, like I said, being out on tour, you know, I think the last time we toured with Sick of It All, I don't th- I don't think I missed a show that that they played. Uh, same thing with Propagandi, um, or when I I love those European festivals, uh, like you know, it's now it's called Hellfest in France. Yep. Yeah, you know, I love going there. I, I mean, I saw you know a newer incarnation of Thin Lizzy at at Hellfest. Uh, we saw the Scorpions, saw Coroner, Bad Brains, DRI, Raw Power. So, you know, uh, Iron Maiden, Slayer, Opeth. <laughs> I could keep going on. Um, but how can you have Thin Lizzy without Phil? Uh, the guy kicked ass. That's okay. all I can tell you. I he's not Phil, you know, but he was great and it was awesome to see them. Um but uh yeah, so when I'm in that mindset, like I said, if I'm out on tour, then then I enjoy it. I've got my earplugs handy, but if I'm at home and a band I love like DRI is playing down the street, as shameful as it is to say, <laughs> it's going to be hard for me to get out to go see them. Um, yeah, I think a lot of it is proximity, uh, too. I think, uh, you know, Dave, you're like, uh, you know, around a bunch of venues, whereas I was, you know, and again, Reading there, you know, we had some tiny venues that like, you know, little podunk bands would play that I might like. But if I wanted to see Fugazi or I wanted to see Sepultura or, um, you know, that type of band, I had to go to Philly, which was about an hour and a half away. So it was like, oh, you know, you don't just leave home, walk a couple blocks and see a show. And for me, it was like an entire like afternoon and evening (laughs) event where I'd have transportation. And so I think I, that just occurred to me too. I probably would have seen so many more shows if they were just right around the corner. And now, you know, even the last 10, I'm even farther away from the city. Now I'm in like freaking, um, uh, you know, total rural area. Um, so I'd like to think that even, you know, in my advanced age, if there were shows taking place, you know, it, nearby, I might, you know, actually get my ass out of the house and go see them. Takes, so, I mean, how far are you from a venue, Matt? Me, I, I I'm not far from uh, the Philly venues. I, I live in New Jersey. Uh, my local airport's the Philadelphia Airport. So usually, when shows go to Philly, I it's considered local. But I can only think of a handful of bands that I went out to see. Again, Voivod. How I, long have you been in Philly? 
or it's uh, near Philly. Near Philly. Uh, geez, it's been about 10 years now. Oh, really? What yeah. The fuck? I didn't know you were that close. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't, you know, who do I talk to? No one yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I, I would have uh, tried to, you know, meet up with you somewhere. Um, well, I'm, again, I'm I don't go you. often, but uh, I don't even know what's open in Philly anymore. I mean, back in the day, it was like Troc and TLA and Tower Theater. I'm so like out of uh, out think, of touch. I think the Electric Factory is still open. That's, yeah, the Electric Factory. I forgot. Uh, I went and saw, you know, I went and saw Newfound Glory there. But that was only just to see friends, you know, right, sure, um, sure. you know, I, Chad wanted me to go. So I, I went to go see him. Um, Propagandi and, and Comeback Kid played. I think I went to see that. And I went I drove an hour, I think, to the Starland to go see E-Town. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, they're a proper, proper Jersey boy now then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, you know. With with my love for Misfits, Dead Guy, Turning Point, E Town, I think I think I've always been uh, the Jersey's been deep in me. So, um, well, you yeah. were P- Poughkeepsie. Uh, I don't even know how to say it properly. Poughkeepsie. But, uh, yep. Yeah, you were. Uh, I'm, once upon a time, I think I probably knew what what came first. So you were in Florida, then went there. Is that is that? How yeah, that yeah. I, I well, I was born in on on Long Island as a. Uh, well, as a baby, as you are born. Uh, <laughs> I, I, so I was born on Long Island, lived there until I was five, grew up in South Florida, which is where I consider really my home because um, I spent most of my formative year. Well, all of my formative years there. Uh, and then after South Florida was Poughkeepsie and then New Jersey. OK. And I have absolutely no idea where the hell I'll end up. I mean, it could be anywhere. Yeah, well. Speaking of which, have you been writing any music? Will we ever hear any new Shia Lud music? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, as most people now know, well, I, maybe they know, but um, Jay from Reign Supreme is singing. You know, we, we didn't get a chance to do anything. Uh, uh, yeah, he, I guess maybe if I ran a music website, I would know that. But for some <laughs> reason, I feel like I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny because we posted it on um, on Instagram and Facebook, and I was hoping that you would pick it up, but uh, I don't think I don't think it got picked up. You know, feel free to you know give me a <laughs> nudge, man. Help me out. It's yeah. mutually beneficial. It, it's so long now, and people, people. Well, not so long, but about a year that we've made the decision mutually. So uh, I don't know that it would be worth posting now. But yeah, about a year ago, Jay said, I, I think we should do Shia Lude. You know, this is when this is when I was in school and I was fairly certain that I would never. Well, I don't want to say never, but I was fairly certain that Shia Lude had been resigned to hobby status. Um you know, and he he was the one that uh, got me kind of perked up and said, OK, well, we don't have to make it a career, but there's no reason why we can't continue. So will there be new Shia Lude? Yeah, uh, I, I'm I've been working on stuff very, very slowly. It It would be way, way premature to try to give you any timeline of when something would come out like if anyone thought it was bad before 
with five years in between how but forget about it now now who knows <laughs> now it'll be like 10 years for three songs or something but um but well, who's who's uh who's in shiloh now since i'm so in, out of the loop okay well we do have a full lineup and uh it's people that have been like i said before either in the band or in the community for a long time on drums we have uh our friend mo watson People might know Mo from, uh, he played in a band called Vagus Nerve with Doc Coyle from God Forbid. Um, He also, I think he did a stint in Deadwater Drowning. I Uh, remember those dudes. Yeah, so, you know, he's a somewhat known drummer. Uh, On guitar, we have my friend Mark, um, who, he had a few different bands on Long Island. But I think he toured the most with Full Blown Chaos. Okay. He was in Full Blown Chaos for a while. Um, my my good friend, Eric Dellen, who's one of the two singers in Zombie Apocalypse, he's now picked up the bass. And, um, you know, he also, like I mentioned earlier, he sang for Shai Hulud uh, about 10 years ago, maybe more than that, uh, just for a stint. He did, a demo, he did the demo uh, with us that got assigned to metal blade, but he had his own, band. he had his own band called shallow water grave that some people might know. Yep. I don't Is that familiar to you? I don't yes. Know. Yes. I actually, uh, I just stumbled upon one of their CDs the other day. As I yeah. Rearranged things. Yeah. It's a great CD they put out. Uh, so yeah, that's Dylan. And then Jay and myself, um, Jay, obviously people know now from end, and of yeah. course, Rain Supreme. So that's the lineup. We had shows. We were doing. We were supposed to do Manchester Punk Fest last year, and then follow that up with like five or six shows in the mainland of Europe. But um, COVID yeah. hit, and we that was that was taken out. But uh, I'm hoping that Furnace Fest is still going to happen later this year. It's scheduled for September. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah, later in September it's supposed to happen. So I'm hoping that we can still do that. And next year there's some light talk about us going to Europe. So Shailud will be around. It's definitely a nostalgia band. I get that. We'll put out new music. Um, and hopefully it'll be good enough that people will want to hear it. But we know what's going to, you know, what's what. We'll go out and play. We'll play quote-unquote the hits and include some new music if people want to hear it yeah. so yeah it'll will be a nostalgia band and and that's great i i'm i i will be thrilled to continue playing music uh for another 20 more years it's always been my passion and just because you can't do it full time doesn't mean you can't do it at all yeah no doubt now, Shia Lute is your deal, right? If there's if, Matt, if you're not in it, it's not happening. You're the legal owner, I assume, of the the whole entity, whatever that whatever that encompasses at this point. Are you guys still even under contract with Metal Blade, or you fulfilled your deal? I, I think we're still technically under contract, but they've always been good uh, with us being loose with the contract. Like you know, we did a an EP about five years ago with No Sleep Records, so. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but I I think that we still are under contract. I mean, we never got anything saying that we've been dropped, thankfully. <laughs> um, and uh, at this point, right now, 
you know, without knowing better or worse, I, I would assume that when Shilu puts out a new album, it'll be on Metal Blade. So, but I could be wrong about that. Um, so yeah, that you know, that's that's where we are now. Uh, I think you asked a question in there that I for yeah. No, I'm sorry, I, I jumped on the back of the first question without giving you a chance to answer it. Uh, that was just that you were, you know, you were effectively shy allude at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. you're you're I, the boss, basically. Uh, yeah, this is <laughs> terrible. No one else could claim ownership of the band. Uh, I, uh, plenty of people could. <laughs> they want go for it <laughs> legally. Legally, I don't know. I probably have you know a lot of proof that if if that were to ever happen, that I'm the quote unquote owner. Which I don't is, even know what a band of your size. You know, I don't know how you know trademarks and yeah, no, I don't we, know what level that is or isn't important. No, we we were. Um, we, we were never incorporated, but we did. We had a DBA and we had a business license for a while. Yeah, there, there was even a Shilude credit card at, at, at <laughs> one point in time. Awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's a long time. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I guess Shilude stems from me. You know, I've been. You know, uh, there are other people that have been in the band that have definitely put their heart and soul into it. So I, I, I could never fairly say that I'm the heart and soul of the band because sure. the guys in the band now are putting their heart and soul into it. So we're all the heart and soul, but you know, I've, I'm the longest guy that's been in the band that's put his heart and soul into it. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, individuals much like, uh, you know, we discussed thin Lizzie very briefly. I think if Matt Fox wasn't in, shy halud it would be it would be quite uh awkward to put it well, kindly think, there's been there's been journey without steve perry mm-hmm. there's been and there shouldn't be there's <laughs> been thin lizzie without phil uh line it there's been uh shit there's been bad brains without hr you know so uh yeah these are harder things to... But those aren't good things, at least in my... Uh, granted, they can put on compelling performances and, and still release viable music. It just, you know, I think that that, that, that crosses the line where you got to rename the band. I mean, that's just... Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, counting, counting, I'm counting seeing Journey with the uh, replacement singer on my list of bands I've already seen. Because so. he definitely does rock it. And, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's just, you know, it's you got to have an asterisk by it, if nothing else. Um, (laughs) Certainly more more some bands more so than others. But I mean, Journey without Steve Perry or Queen without Freddie Mercury. I mean, these just they're. Hey, that Adam Lambert guy does does a great job. Again, right. They're talented and they obviously they can sell tickets and, you know, have tons of fans. It's just, you know, it's not Queen and it's not Journey. And um, on a much smaller scale, it wouldn't be Shy Halud. And uh, <laughs> well, uh, you know I what know. I'm saying. I, I think if anything, if it if it would suffer at all, because listen, you could would find... you let would you let it go on without you? You know, if you, if you said sure. I'm done playing music, and the other guys are like, so you wouldn't. You know, for me personally, I would. You know, I I don't know that I'd be able to give up control of something that that was such a part of my life, you know, that someone else might just run into the ground or, or tarnish my legacy. I guess I don't have the, the, uh, 
I don't know what what adjective or noun I'm looking for the fortitude or the the um, <laughs> the generosity to to sort of bestow that that uh, that uh, confidence in someone. Yeah, or some I, people. I, I I would be fine with it um, okay. because you could you could certainly replace me talent wise. I'm not a I'm not a great talent. I'm not a great guitar player. I'm I'm average on my best day. There was a time maybe 10 years ago where I was above average on my best day. Now back down to average. So you could definitely get a player that could do what I do. No problem. Uh, where Shailud might suffer would be the creativity department. Well, right. And you could say that about any band. Um, uh, really? Uh, I mean, short of, you know, Van Halen or something, you know, could find somebody more talented, but, it's not yeah. the talent. It's not the talent. You know that. It, it's you know. It's the lifeblood. It's the soul. Um, sure, sure. That that's, that's well, I think you 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 must have heard that Kiss plans to have members take over for them. When yeah, yeah. and that's I don't know. That's just a gimmick. You know, it's just it I, becomes. I love it. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I I can appreciate it from a certain you know to a certain degree, but uh, it it does to me again. Me personally speaking, it does tarnish. And I was never a Kiss fan, so I don't give two shits about Kiss. But um, I think I saw uh, say that about another band, and to me, it would just you know it would hurt a little bit. I think I saw a tweet that you wrote once said something like, uh, "I liked Kiss when I <laughs> when well, I was yeah. a kid because of the makeup." That, that's right. I, I still remember being like a little kid and having a Kiss poster on my wall. I didn't even know what they sounded like. I just, as a child, I was like, damn, that looks cool. But then Same for me. at some point I heard them and I was like, this <laughs> fucking sucks. What the hell? Uh, God, I don't have that poster up anymore. I, I, I still, I still like Kiss quite a bit. They, they, yeah. were, they were, they were big for me growing up, but like you, I didn't get into them. I got into them first because of the makeup. Yeah, uh, and it, it took me probably a good five, ten years to get into them musically. But anyway, we don't need that's to talk fine. About. And Kiss had uh, again. Uh, I'm, I'm qualifying everything. I don't want to shit on Kiss or their fans. They've obviously they've they've done their thing, and plenty of people appreciate them. I'm sure if I sat down and gave them the time, you know, I'd find some things I like. But yeah, that was just one band that you know never really resonated with me. Um, well, every, but every there's a lot of those. Everybody in Shilud except for me absolutely hates Kiss. So, <laughs> okay. Right, I know well, there's one thing we're not listening to in the van. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. Well, um, I don't even know what freaking time is it, Dave. I don't we're, even know how long we're, we're, we're about, talking. We're like seventy-five minutes. Okay. Well, I, you know, I think I've I've been a bit loquacious tonight, and I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I haven't talked to many I'll people to. lately, and I, I'm taking it out on YouTube. He's had to get it off his chest. Now, we're here to hear Matt, but uh, I've uh, usurped some of the uh, the airtime. Oh, that's fine. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I've been dealing with you, you know, off and on for 20 years, and I've never actually conversed with you. Um, my I fault, think we talked no on doubt. the phone. Did we? Yeah, that I think may so. That may, I, yeah, perhaps your memories better than mine i've talked to very few people on the phone even and it's always something random not so much you but you know it'll be something like not so much anymore because i don't have them but i've gotten calls from people to have a comment removed um you know on a news item that <laughs> i never would have or a text from 
some random person asking me to do this or that, that I have no relationship with, but I'm not, you know, unlike my peers who go to shows and hang out and stuff, I'm just like a hermit in my, my home. And I really have very little connections to the, the people that I've covered for, for so long, for better, or for worse. It's probably a good thing that I don't have to feel guilty when I write about their arrest. Yeah. Hey, it, <laughs> it, it's, it's the same for me. I'm, uh, a proud hermit. And, you know, you started off the interview by acknowledging that. I mean, it must be known by most people that I'm, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I've always been a loner and a proud hermit. So I just figure you just sit around and watch sci-fi movies and <laughs> read Dune over and over again or something. I don't know. <laughs> and, well, to dispel any rumors or myths, I'm not a big reader. And okay. uh, if That's I was surprising because someone, you know, with the lyrics and the, the, uh, I, I jokingly called it verbosity, but just it, it, to me, it, it seemed like someone who was well-read and, and uh, enjoyed, uh, you know, literature. Yeah, well, I do enjoy literature. I just hate reading. I, I think I'm dyslexic. I don't know, ADD. Audiobooks? Um, even audiobooks are difficult for me. I, I zone out really easily. Um but and if I watch movies, I do love sci-fi. But uh, you know, I'm probably even more fond of dramas and romantic comedies. So <laughs> that's fair. I just watched two seasons of this Cobra Kai show, and I I, I watched. I'm embarrassed to mention it publicly, but I just did. So yeah, yeah. I I did. Uh, I I I watched all ten episodes of the second season on January first. So. <laughs> it's a good show. I, I you know, it's predictable and whatever, but yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's not even it's that a great, great balance of humor and uh, nostalgia and there's, you know, whatever. There's some, there's some atrocious acting. There's some really corny plot points. Yep. Uh, but I like I like uh, keeping up with Johnny and uh, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice dynamic. I think it's uh, aiding the cause is the fact they really don't look that different. You know, I can't I can't believe Ralph Macchio is like almost 60 years old. Really? That, wow. Yeah, I think he's 59. I think wow. I had to look it up at some point. I'm like, all right, 1984 was Karate Kid. He wasn't like 10. So, you know, he's got to be up there. But, yeah, I would have thought like, you know, 53 or something. But, yeah, I think he turned 60 later this year. Wow, good for him. Yeah, no doubt. Good I, I can't. Uh, yeah, I would have been screwed if I had been Karate Kid because the, the whole, you know. <laughs> hairless thing just wouldn't resonate the same way but yeah i i don't know everybody likes it uh, around here um the young and the old but even yeah. the people who don't you know didn't watch karate kid as a child so they're definitely you know hitting the right notes there but yeah, yeah when you said dramatic comedy that kind of came to mind uh, for me it's like uh gas station candy that you get for a dollar like those little peach rings yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're shitty, but you love them. Yeah, that's that's karate. That's uh, Cobra Kai to me. It's it. It's that's not fair. food for the. It's not food for the brain by any means, but it only costs a buck, and uh, it's delicious. Yeah, I that anything that keeps me coming back, you know, I I, I applaud. Um, yeah. and yeah, I had no problem binging on that show. So that, that, <laughs> I have, that's I, something I have not seen it. I have not seen any any of it. Well, I had no desire to, you know, my wife kind of forced me to, and I came around and I appreciate it. But yeah, I 
trust me, I was not lifting a finger to watch that show. It was just forced upon me. So, yeah, I have to admit that I was, I don't want to say excited, but I was curious because I'm a big fan of Karate Kid and Karate Kid 2. Okay. So because of that, I was really thrilled. And I, you know, like a lot of people, I imagine, you know, was thrilled that William Zabka, the guy who plays Johnny, was still around. I, I had yeah. to, you know, I hear you. That he was still active. I had. No yeah. Idea. He's one of those guys. It's like, you know, he could have told me, he, uh, I don't know, robbed a bank and was shot by police in 1994. And I would have been like, yeah, that sucks. But I would have believed it. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because we, you know, it's not like he's been in the public eye so much. So, right. yeah, it's a fun show. But, uh, you know. Another, it is what it is. Another show yeah. I haven't watched yet, but uh, I'm assuming you probably have as well. Uh, do you like uh, the Star Wars and the Mandalorian? Yeah, I've watched both seasons. Um, I kind of went into it uh, with some he- hesitancy because Star Wars kind of lost its luster for me with the prequels and Agree. you know the reissues and everything. So. Uh, but the Mandalorian kind of got me re-excited about Star Wars. It's uh, I don't know that it's as great as everyone says it is, but it is definitely very good and a hell of a lot of fun. Interesting. I haven't checked it out at all yet. <laughs> uh, it's definitely, if you ever like Star Wars in any capacity, it's definitely worth your while. All right. I have very little to say in this regard. <laughs> uh, I kind of, I did see, you know, the the two... I don't know, Force Awakens and Last Jedi. But, and those were good, but for me as, you know, a child, the first, th- the first three movies, not episodes one, two, and three, were just, you know, they were special to me as a child, and then I kind of checked out. I, I tried watching that first, uh, and I don't even know enough to say what was four, and I don't know. If, Jar Jar whatever. Binks. Yeah, what was, is that one? Is That's that one. four? Or one? Okay, so yeah. That's exactly, okay, yeah. yeah, those, the prequels. Um, so I tried watching that episode one and I made it through halfway and I, I think I threw up in my mouth and turned it off and That's I was you, done. I was done with that. Yeah. It's a yeah movie. I, I saw in Florida, I saw uh Phantom Menace episode one in the dollar theater. That was all I was willing to get, uh, to, to spend. And I remember saying to myself or to my friends, all I want for my dollar is I want to see Star Wars in big letters with the fanfare, you know, and, and let it scroll down the way it did in the original movies. And I got that and I checked out and everything else was, was garbage. Yeah. I skipped school for that. And uh, oh, wow. I was severely <laughs> let down. Cause that was like a really, I remember walking out of the movie theater just going like, what the hell? Yeah. I think most of us, most of us that were, how old were you when you saw it? 14, 15. Oh, you were even let down at that age, huh? Wow. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that movie. And again, knowing very little of it, I just think that is roundly considered a misstep. And they've redeemed themselves uh, to some degree going forward. But I've heard good things about, uh, you know, The Mandalorian. But I, I again, much like listening to Kiss, I, I can't be bothered to <laughs> spend time on that. Perfect. Uh, well, uh, if if you were forced to see it the way you were forced to see um, Cobra Kai, you you 
you would be more entertained by Mandalorian than you would be Cobra Kai, I think. Okay. But you know, noted. Yeah, I'm not I'm not rushing you out to see it. So all right, so where are we at? You guys you still chatting? We, you guys want to call I, it a night? I think we've covered pretty much everything that you know, since you have no music to promote at this point. <laughs> uh <laughs> well, that's well, your fault, man. It's my fault. Zombie Apocalypse put out a uh, a, an extended EP last year. That's I want to go that's check true. that out. Good that point. One, I like that one a lot. Uh, so yeah. if All I'm right. the, if I'm to plug anything, uh, life without pain is a fucking fantasy. Is the the last zombie apocalypse? Not not the last, but it's the latest that we did. Yep. So everyone could go check that out if you're so inclined. We should, should we should end it with this. We should end it with this. Just really quick. Yeah. Which project do you enjoy more? Shahid or or Zombie? Easy answer. And probably an answer that will piss people off, but Zombie Apocalypse. Okay. I kinda felt that for some reason. Because you, you seem to you seem to be revert you revert back to a lot of like metal. Yeah, yeah. And with, with Zombie Apocalypse, I think the reason that it's it's more fun is because it's not only me. Well, now with Shailu, with the current members that we have, I'm not the only one contributing. And Fletcher, of course, contributed a lot, uh, as well as Geert, for that matter, to Blood Ill-Tempered. But with uh, with Zombie Apocalypse, our other singer, Ronen, he writes the majority of the lyrics. So it's always fun for me to listen. It's never fun for me to listen to Shailu. It's always fun for me to listen to Zombie Apocalypse, because I'm hearing somebody else's thoughts and ideas. So, yeah, and zombies, I mean, Shia Lute is lighthearted personality-wise, but the music, the lyrics, you know, can get kind of heavy and deep. And Zombie gets heavy and deep, too, but the band's called Zombie Apocalypse, so it's always going to be fun. Uh, so, the, yeah, that's my answer. Um, cool. Zombie okay. Apocalypse is definitely much more fun. I hope I didn't upset anybody by saying that. Well, no no offense to Shia, to Shia Lute fans as well, and I've I've... I've caught you guys live a handful of times in my years as well, uh, through when you ever whenever you come through Jacksonville, which I feel like is a lot and um, uh, over yeah. the over the years a lot. Uh, but I do enjoy Zombie more. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fair. That's fair. But I'm hey, more, I'm more glad, of a metal guy too. So yeah, sure. I'm glad anyone's listening to anything. You know, I'm flattered. I'm humbled that I, anything that I do can still be even remotely relevant all this time later. So there you go. That's the right attitude. Uh, I think we should end it there. Although I will say, Matt, next time you get a new singer, um, just let me know. Don't post it on Instagram and expect me to find it because I'm just not a very, uh, uh, I'm not a very good investigator. Yeah. Well, I, when, when we have some things that are confirmed, uh, as far as shows, I'll let you know, and you could kind of announce that. With yes, shows. I appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely will do that. All right, my friends. Hey, thanks Perfect. so much for talking to me, listening to me stutter and say, for that matter, too many times. Mm-hmm. Of course. Here no, I, I enjoyed the conversation, uh, which is probably why it went on for too long. I need a big clock here. to. Uh, I don't even know what time it was. So uh, appreciate it, man. All right, my friends. Take care, huh? Take care, man. All right, see you. Later.
Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.